You're listening to the Avenue Church Podcast. Our desire is that this message will inspire you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. For more info and to connect with us, visit us online at theavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, Silence and in the quiet, if you are a parent, probably doesn't describe your morning, right? Like my kids, they love to play a game every morning, find the other shoe. And it, it's not fun at all, right? They have fun with it. It's not fun with it. And then they play another game in the car. It's like, who can be the loudest? Who can scream the loudest? So silence and being in the quiet. Hey, parents, just take a deep breath right now. Enjoy this moment. They are being taken care of and loved on in our family ministry next door. So Take a moment, all right? Hey, my name is Chad. I'm one of the student pastors here. So pumped to be with you guys this morning. If you're watching online, let us know where you're watching from. If it's the beach or the, the mountains, you're the closest to either one of those locations that I'll be, so I feel like I'm there with you this morning, all right? Hey, we are excited. We're gonna continue this conversation we started about a month ago on busyness, on, on, on this life that we kind of get caught up in, in hurry, I don't know about you guys, I'm guilty of it. That's kind of what spurred on the conversation. And sometimes this busyness and this hurry is brought on by a couple different things. Uh, Maybe it's work and you you wanna work so much, you wanna prove to your boss that you are useful, that you're valuable to the team. And in that pursuit of finding maybe value, there's consequences with your family, with your kids. It's your marriage. Maybe uh, it's your family. You look around and those families have, man, every day scheduled for their kid. And you're like, geez, really? And now you feel like maybe your kids are missing out. And so you add to that schedule and you become even more busy. Since we last talked, uh, I had several people come up to me and say, Chad, man, I... I'm struggling with it. In fact, we, I brought to you an epidemic that's kind of taken over the world called hurry sickness. I'm going to remind you what hurry sickness is. It's defined in a couple different ways. The first is it's a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. Second one is when a person feels chronically short of time, so tends to perform every task faster, and they often get flustered when they encounter any kind of delay. Does that resonate with anybody? I know it did for me. Several months back, I'm going, dude, Chad, you are just living a life of hurry. You got to slow down. If not, your kids are going to miss out on dad. You're not, your, your marriage is going to go down the drain. So we talked about some ways, right, of slowing down just a little bit. We said, hey, we've got to be selective. Uh, we got to have selective excellence, that we can't be perfect in all areas, but there are some areas that we can be really good at, right? So if it's work, instead of working the extra two or three hours at the end of the day, you can go, you know what? I can push that over to tomorrow because I want to get home and I want to spend time with my family. I don't want to miss supper. I want to go to the game. I'm going to be really good at a spou- as being a spouse or dad. Selective excellence being really good at certain areas. And then we said, we got to update our to-don't list. We've got all the to-do lists. Like we need to update the to-don't list. These things that we've been doing for so long that we just need to go, you know what? I need to purge myself of these things. I don't need to do those any, any longer so that we can have a, a to-don't list, things I'm just not going to do. Then we said, we've got to be selective in your yeses. Every time you say yes, there's less of you to something else, Right? We've got to make sure that our yes is worth the less. 
So hopefully you've began that process of adding those things into your life. If not, you've still got time. Now, I ended their time with a quote from Jesus says this, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world but give up their soul? And I think if we're not careful, we can pursue this life of hurry and busyness and doing all the things and running all the places and assume that that is how you're supposed to do life, that this is life, this is just how it is, and this is what it's all about. But what if we're missing it? That maybe this isn't the life that, that God has called us to. Now, um, exactly a year ago, I weighed 125 pounds more than I weighed today, which is crazy to think about. But here's the thing. I became a, a professional at knowing the value size meals at all the places. Like, seriously, it's ridiculous. And you're about to be impressed, all right? So we got McDonald's, anybody, super size, right? You got Whataburger, water size. Sonic, Sonic size. Okay, here's one for you. Wendy's. Anybody? Biggie size, right? <laughs> Biggie size. I know you're impressed. I'll stop right there. I could go on. Here's the thing. We go for the value size because the normal, regular size, it's just not enough, right? We need more. And if I were to ask each of you today, if you want the value size life, chances are you go, yeah, sign me up. I want the biggie size life. I want the super size life. I want more. I don't just want regular. I don't want just normal. I don't want everybody else is doing. I want a super size, a value size life. Sign me up today. So how do we do that? Where is this life found? Well, I'm glad you asked this morning. In John uh, 15, Jesus is about to, to draw out this really cool picture for us with words. And um, he's talking to his disciples and he's about to leave. He's, a, he's about to die on the cross. So he's, he's um, man, spending his last moments. He's saying his last words to these disciples. Now, I don't know about you guys, but chances are if I knew my time was coming up, what I said, what I did was going to be pretty important, right? I wanted to leave an impact. Now, I, I, the same is true here. Like, I'm not going to spend uh, my time talking about politics. I'm not going to spend it talking about sports. No, what I'm going to say is going to hopefully be something that they hold on to. Maybe it's a life lesson. Whatever the case may be, Jesus here, I think it's the same thing. He's telling his disciples, look, hold on to this. This is important. This is where true life is found. So he's standing in this, this area where I imagine there's vines, there's, there's a lot of vegetation. He's about to draw this picture for us. I also think that he's looking at his disciples and he's probably thinking, you know, when I'm gone, it's probably gonna be really easy for them to go back to that same way of life before me, back to fishing or back to whatever it is, back to the busyness of life. So I wanna remind them where true life is found, where an abundant life is found. So we're gonna be in John 15 for just a bit this morning. It says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that would be even more fruitful. You have already claimed because of the word I've spoken to you, remain in me, also I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you all of this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus says three things in here that stands out to me. He says, one, that I am the true vine. I am the true vine. The second thing says, hey, look, if you are a follower, you're going to bear fruit and you bear fruit by abiding or remaining in him. So he says, I am the true vine, which leads me to believe that there's some false vines in our, in our lives that we attach to that we, we think will give us life, but it doesn't. I didn't know this, but apparently um, there are some really cool fake trees that you can buy today. My wife, she knows that my favorite plant is a fake plant because we don't have to water it, don't have to do anything. It looks really sharp. And, and so I walked into our bedroom the other day and I'm like, babe, is that an olive tree in our bedroom? She's like, yeah, it is. You're lucky I didn't bring, bring the lemon tree home. And no lie, there was a lemon tree. I didn't know that this was a thing, but apparently it is. See, on the outside, it looks real. It looks sharp. It looks like it's all together. It looks good. But guess what? It's never going to produce anything. There's nothing to it. There's no life in it. And see, I think so often we attach ourselves to certain vines that we think will give us life, but they don't. I think there's three false vines. Three false vines. The first one we talked a little bit uh, last week about is religion. This empty religion, this dead, empty religion, going through religious motion without having a relationship with Jesus. We show up to church, we go to the Bible study, but there's not a relationship with Jesus there. You're just checking it off your list. You've attached yourself to religion, but not a relationship. It's going to wither away. Second thing that we do is we attach ourselves to relationships. A spouse, a girlfriend, Sometimes we attach ourselves to people so that we can pull from them what we need instead of pulling it from Jesus. Third thing is we attach ourselves to the vine of riches. We're constantly grinding through this world, trying to find happiness and life and money and more things, hoping that it will give us life. And Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm the true vine. I am the true vine. If you abide in me, you will look like me. Your identity will be in me and you will have life. I mean, we know how a vine works. A vine simply supplies what the branch needs for survival. It meets the needs of the branch. And Jesus, he's drawn this word picture out for us. And he says, look, I'm the vine, you're the branches. I'm gonna supply you with what you need. I'm gonna supply you with life. He says, if you stay attached to me, if you remain in me, you're gonna bear fruit. I think there's three characteristics of fruit the first is this, fruit has the character of the tree that it's attached to. Fruit has the character of the tree that it's attached to. If you see an apple tree, it's gonna have apples on it. If you're a follower of Jesus, your life is gonna line up with his, man. Your character is gonna look like him. Everything about you is gonna point to him because you're attached to his vine. You're bearing fruit that has a character of the tree that you're a part of, right? The second thing is this, fruit's visible, right? I see fruit. Is it visible in your life? 
If you say you're a follower of Jesus, the fruit that you have, is it visible? Can people see it? And the third is this, fruit exists to help others. All right? Fruit exists to help others. The only fruit that eats itself, guess what? It's rotten. Does your fruit benefit others? So how's your fruit this morning? Jesus says in order to bear fruit, we've got to abide in him. We've got to remain in him. He says this 10 times, 10 times to abide in him. John, whenever he uses this word, it's a word for intimacy. It's a, it's a word for closeness. In fact, the Greek word here is meno, which means to, to reside, to stay, to stop, to hang, to hang with Jesus. So in order to, to look like Jesus, we have to abide in him and, and that's to, to, to reside, to hang, to stop, to be with him. I'm gonna ask you a personal question this morning. How many of you are just making visits with Jesus? You're not residing, you're not abiding, you're, you're not hanging, you're making little deposits. You're, you're coming and hanging out and maybe saying hi, maybe, maybe a short visit once a week, maybe twice. But this idea of abiding and residing that wouldn't describe where you're at. I don't know about you guys. The more I hang with somebody, the more I begin to look like them. I start sounding like them a little bit. Like my, my, I've got some country family, like country, like all the animals on the walls. Like I, I don't have any animals on my wall. But the more I hang with them, the more I talk with them, the more I'm around them, the more country I start sounding. Like I'm hanging out around the fire. We're talking about things I don't even know what to talking about. Man, I feel country. Here's this, the same is true here, guys. The more we, we reside with him and hang with him and stay with him and attached to him, the true vine, the more we begin to look like him. So how do we do this? How do we abide in him? How do we make that happen? Over the past several years, there's been a lot of talk in the self-help world about this idea of this fixed hour schedule. Basically, you write up the ideal day, week, month on a blank calendar. You write in your top priorities. And within reason, you stick to it. Now, many think this is this new concept, but actually it's been around for like a millennium. It started in the monastery. Uh, these monks began to uh, create these communities where they would do life around this rule of life. And, and here's the thing. A rule was just a set of, of practices. It was a schedule to order your life around the ways of Jesus. It was a way to keep from getting sucked into all the noise and all the busyness and all the hurry and all the distraction of life. It was a way to slow down, to live a life for what really matters. Jesus calls this abiding. Abiding. Now, I don't want you to get sucked into the negative of what, uh, when you hear the word rule, uh, what, what that brings to mind. We don't like rules, I get it. But this word rule actually comes from a Latin word, meaning a uh, Latin word regula, which means a straight piece of wood. I want you to think a ruler here, okay? It was also what was used for a trellis, a trellis. I wanna go back to John 15, one of the most important teachings on spiritual life and emotional health. Now, I want you to imagine you're taking a walk down uh, this, this wine vineyard, right? I know you're from the avenue. I know you can go there with me, all right? And under each, each and every uh, healthy vine that has a lot of fruit to it, do you know what's underneath it? A trellis, a piece of wood that's holding it up to keep it healthy, to keep it growing, and keep it bearing fruit. 
see the word picture this morning? See, uh, uh, what a trellis is to a vine, a rule of life is to abiding. It's a structure in place. It's a schedule. It's a set of practices to set up abiding as central in your life. It's a way to organize your life around the practice of being with God and remaining in him. Listen, if a vine doesn't have a trellis, it's gonna wither away and it's gonna die in your life. If it doesn't have some kind of structure and and, uh, something in place to help you grow when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, guess what? It's gonna do the same thing. See, following Jesus has to make it into your schedule. It has to make it into your practices or guess what? It's never gonna happen. It's just gonna be a really, really good idea, but it's never gonna be reality, guys. And I know what you're thinking, Chad, you don't understand my schedule, dude. I'm so busy, so busy. Really? Like how much time do you spend watching TV, on your phone, shopping? Like seriously, this week, take a log of those hours and I think you would be shocked by the the amount of time that we give away to trivial things. See, I think most of us, even in our busiest season, have plenty of time, plenty of time. uh, Instead of seeking first the kingdom of entertainment, you're seeking first the kingdom of work, seeking first the kingdom of whatever it is for you, we go back to Matthew 6.30, theory that says what? To seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. Let's think of it in terms of a marriage. Your spouse comes up to you and usually it starts with this. Hey, we need to get on the same page. I'm like, oh, here we go. We need to get on the same page. So they ask you, hey, one night a week, I just want 30 minutes of conversation. One night a week. And then on the weekend, just a little bit of time to hang out. Like we're talking the bare minimum of a healthy relationship. We're not asking a lot. They're not asking a lot. And let's just say you respond to your spouse by going, you know what? I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. But then your life, you look at your hours and you're giving a lot of time to TV. You're playing two, three rounds of golf a week. Anybody would say, dude, you got time. You're just wasting it. Maybe... You just don't have time for a spouse. How is it any different with our relationship with Jesus? Like we get out what we put in and I'm not trying to put you on some legalistic guilt trip this morning. I want to invite you to make room for Jesus, to make room for Jesus. I think we're at a crossroads. Like get on or get off. Are you ready to start building a a trellis for your vine? Are you ready to build into your life a schedule or a rule to make and create space for a life with Jesus. Like I said earlier, a rule of life keeps our hearts focused on the things that allow us to grow to look like Christ. It's a way to to structure our life in order to be with Jesus, like bumpers on a bowling lane or a trellis to a vine. It propels us in the right direction, keeps us moving forward. It motivates us. It gives us goals. It keeps us from getting distracted. I think a rule of life answers the question, if Jesus were me, if Jesus were me, what would his life and what would his practices look like? So where do we start? Where do we start? Well, I'm gonna challenge you to start where you're at. Set a modest goal. Look, you're not gonna be Mother Teresa overnight, okay? Start where you're at, not where you think you should be. We serve a God that will meet you where you're at. 
Now, I want to encourage you to, to, to center your life around three things. Real simple, three simple things to center your life around today. And these three things are things you've heard all your life. You've been taught them your entire life. So I'm not going to blow your mind here, but I think we have the knowledge. We're just not doing it. Listen, I want to run marathon. I, I want to I be the guy that is running the, on like Facebook. You see their pictures and they're running. They look happy. Like, who does that? I can't do that. But I want to run a marathon. I know what you're supposed to do to run a marathon. I know the training that goes into it. There's a lot. But here's the thing. I can know it all, but I got to want to do it, right? You can know it all, but you got to want to do it. If you want to look like Jesus, if you want to have him as the center of your life, you got to practice it. You got to do it. The first one is this, a daily time with God, a daily time with God. Set a time and a place to be with God. Some do this in the morning. They call it habit stacking. Maybe you've heard of it. Ladies, you get up in the morning, you make your cup of coffee. You made a habit of it, right? Well, then stack another habit. It's time with him. It's grabbing your Bible. You grab your coffee cup and you grab your Bible. Habit stacking. Guys, I know you go to the bathroom first thing in the morning. Grab your Bible. Habit stack. Habit stack. See, Jesus, we see this all throughout scripture where, where he would find a quiet time that he would take advantage of the time of his busy schedule. He had three years to get a lot done where he would get away and spend time with the Father. Matthew 6, 6 says this, when you pray, go into, your, uh, into a private room, shut your door and pray to your Father. When Jesus was starting to get popular and people were following him everywhere, in Luke 5, 16, it says that, yet he often withdrew to deserted places and he prayed. Mark 1, 35, love this. Jesus gets up one early morning and um, disappears from the house and the disciples wake up and they're like, wait, where did Jesus go? They kind of freak out a little bit. Simon finally finds Jesus. It's like, Jesus, dude, we're busy and you're just gonna disappear. He's like, exactly. That is why I disappeared, to be alone. To spend my time with my father. Parents, this is tough right here. The silence and solitude part where you get alone and get quiet. I get it, it's tough. Last uh, season, last summer during COVID, I spent like Saturday mornings, I would go play a round of golf. I don't, I'm not good at golf at all, but it, I, I just love the peace it brings me. And so my oldest wanted to go with me last, last summer and I let her, um, she wanted to be caddy. She was a great caddy. And we spent a lot of time on the course. Well, a few weeks back, I, I wanted to go play one early Friday morning and she said, daddy, can I go? I'm like, sure, you can go. Um, and then the car asked her, said, babe, what? Why do you want to go with that? Like you sit in the car, it's hot. You don't really do anything. She goes, dad, it's quiet. Yeah, it really is. It is quiet. Now I'm not trying to advocate dads. You ought to go home and say, babe, I got to go to the course. got to spend some time on the, me and God just hanging out today. It's really quiet. Finding solitude on the course. Pastors call that ministering to the greens. If you hear that, call them out. Now listen, as a, as a dad, some of my most precious moments, those conversations between Jesus and I, where he talked to me, it was in a rocking chair. It was quiet, baby sleeping. Maybe he was on the floor trying to get one to go to sleep. But it was a moment for me to catch my breath a moment for me to just center everything around him. Now, it wasn't a prayer of Jesus, save me, take the wheel, like this is out of control, like this whole kid thing is, is nuts. No, it was a moment for me to go, man, life is crazy, but I've got a moment right here to just center everything around you. I don't wanna miss you, Jesus. I don't wanna miss you in the chaos. 
Second part of daily time with God is to open up your Bible. You know this. Why is scripture important? One, it shows us God's character. If you wanna know what God is like, open up your Bible. The second thing is it teaches us to imitate God. Ephesians chapter five, verse one says, follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children. Three, it helps us discover our next step. Uh, Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Fourth one, it teaches us truth. Psalm 119, 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Man, let me tell you, the world tells us a lot, but if you have his word in your heart, you're gonna know the truth. Last one, my favorite, it helps us be fruitful. Psalm 1, verses two and three, I love this verse. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. I read this list right here and I go, why in the world would I not take advantage of this? If that's the results of being a part of this, if that's the results of spending time in his, his word, why is this not a part of my life? Make time for it. The second thing that I'm gonna encourage you to do is community. I'm gonna break this up into two parts for you. Community. I'm gonna use a, a very churchy word for you, a corporate worship. It's this idea of worshiping together. God does incredible things when we're one-on-one with him. We know that. We've experienced that. But in Mark, it talks about, uh, Matthew, excuse me, Matthew 18, 20, it talks about how where two or three are gathered, I am among them. Maybe you've experienced God in a way that you can't explain in this setting right here. Maybe it was this morning in worship. You're going, man, God is, he's doing something in my life and I just can't explain it. It's this community, it's this corporate worship, this idea. Listen, last year during COVID, I missed this. I missed this community. It's vital for centering our life around Jesus and hitting pause during a crazy week, coming together and worshiping together. And the second part is this, companions for life, small group, a community, a tribe of people to do life with you, a group that's pushing you to be like, uh, like Christ, who's um, pushing you to center your life around him. It's the people in your life that are going to cheer for you when life is good, and then they're going to cry with you when life is hard. It's those people that are, that are just pushing you along in life, that community, that tribe. You have people in your life, maybe a mentor, someone that's going to shoot straight with you when you need it. Who's that community for you? I think it's within these small groups or within this community that one another's in scripture are taking place. Uh, when the Bible says that Christians should bear one another's burdens, when we should pray for one another, when we should accept one another and forgive one another, I think it implies that community and this close relationship with other believers is, is so important. So where's community in terms of, of centering your life around him? Is that a part of your life? Third is this, it's serving. Serving. Serving gives us the opportunity to look like Jesus to the people around us. See, Jesus was all about serving those around him. Listen, if we're called to bear fruit, we're called to have the same characteristics of the tree that we're attached to. Our lives won't be rotten fruit, just eating the fruit. Our lives will produce fruit that will benefit the people around us. John 13, we, we start out in John 15, where he talks about the vine. He's about to leave. John 13, they're about to have the last meal. It's the last time with his disciples. What does Jesus do? He says, hey guys, kick off your sneakers. Let me wash your feet. Takes on this role of servant 
the lowest job to teach them to serve each other because it was important to him. Serving, I believe, takes all the focus off ourselves and puts it on someone else. It's another way of lining ourselves up with who Jesus is. Looking back, there's so many people I can go on and on about people who were that for me because of their centering Jesus in their life and serving others. They impacted my life. I had a youth pastor, Brown Rose, man. There are people watching I know right now that they were impacted by Brian. Sweet lady named Emily Oliver. Maybe some of you know her. She was my ninth grade Sunday school teacher. She's an incredible artist. And this, this passage in John 15 that I'm preaching from, I still remember today her teaching it to me. She drew a picture of a vine with fruit on it and began to explain what it meant to be a follower. So we need more Emilys. We need more Brines in our life, right? Some of you say, Chad, I'm not a kid guy. I'm not a student guy. I get it. Totally, totally understand. But I do believe God has gifted you with certain abilities and talents and skills. He wants you to use it. So today, swing by the hub after the service. Go find a place to plug in, whether it's security or whether it's, I see walking love friends over here to get plugged in, to serve, and to, to be Jesus to the people around us. See, serving takes our focus off ourselves and, and the fruit that we have benefits others. So this morning, I'm gonna ask you to do one quick thing because you're probably not gonna have this for the rest of the day. I want you to just take a deep breath, close your eyes for just a second. Enjoy this moment of silence, a moment where you can just center everything in your life around him. Let me ask you this morning, where you got your eyes closed, where are you today? Or maybe should I ask, where is Jesus today in your life? Are you ready to just stop making visits and maybe remain and abide in him, to hang with him, to stay with him? Ready to center your life around him instead of just trying to find a spot to put him in? Listen, today is a new day. Maybe you're in the the room and you've been attached to a false line. Like you just thought you were a believer because you went to church and you attached yourself to a religious practice, but deep down you've never really had a true relationship with him. You just were marking it off your list of things you thought you're supposed to do, but it's never truly given you life. And today you understand that it's just been maybe a false line and the true line is having this, this relationship with Jesus. John 14, six says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way, way to the Father, way to heaven. It's not gonna be through any action, any good deed, through any other person that you attach yourself to, or any religious act, it's only through him. Acts 4.12 says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved today. If you know you need to start a relationship with him, make it happen. He'll meet you where you're at. You don't have to leave and get it all together and then come back to him. No, he'll meet you where you're at. So today, swing by the hub, say, hey, I wanna start this relationship with Jesus today. I'm not putting it off anymore. I want a relationship with him today. See, guys, it breaks my heart to think that there's some in the room that have attached themselves to a false vine that think that they are experiencing life and not. It also breaks my heart to know that there's families, there's some of my friends and people I love in the room that think that they're doing life. And the hustle and the bustle that they've got life 
And in the end, they're gonna look back and go, man, I really wish I had that time to really center my life around Jesus because now my kids are doing exactly what I did. And they've missed it too. Guys, I wanna pray for you as we start another busy week. Let's pray. God, it's so easy to miss it. So easy to attach ourselves to vines that uh, look good, look real, but end up nowhere. So God, today, our, our hearts are on you. Our, our prayers that we would remain, that we would abide, that we would reside with you, that we would center everything in our life around you because you're the one that gives us true life. God, I pray for the, the one in the room that maybe today has realized that they have never truly had a, a true relationship with you. They've been marking things off the list thinking that's how it's supposed to be done, but uh, gut check says that they don't have a relationship with you. God, I pray that they would make that right today, that God, you will meet them where they're at. God, we thank you so much for second chances. We thank you that you give us grace to go on to tomorrow. So God, I pray that you would go with us, that we would um, not just be hearers, but we would be doers today. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Our hope is that this message inspires you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. We'd love to hear from you and get you connected on your journey. Visit theavenuechurch.com slash connect to get started. To hear the latest from us, don't forget to subscribe. See you soon.